You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Welcome, everybody. I um, First things first, I want to tell you about my new favorite show on Netflix, of course, Cobra Kai. I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> Maybe binging a little bit too much of it. That's a bit of a weakness. But um, it, if you don't know what it is, it's the Karate Kid all grown up. And um, I don't know, something in me as a boy that grew up on the Karate Kid, unfortunately practicing on my little brother when I was young, growing up watching these adventures of Daniel son and Mr. Miyagi, even understanding, uh, being nerdy enough to understand there's actually a Karate Kid 4 called The Next Karate Kid, which featured Hilary Swank. But yeah, as you can see, got me so excited. I love The Karate Kid, always have, always will, and now I can watch and, and see where they're headed. But um, all that to say, one of the biggest reasons I love the Karate Kid all comes down to this moment when um, Daniel's son, who Mr. Miyagi, this teacher, has told him that he will teach him karate, but instead has given this young guy um, chores to do. He has to wax the car, wax on, wax off, they say. He has to nail or bang in these posts for the fence. He has to build a fence, and then he has to paint the fence. And in all this time, he's getting more and more frustrated. And finally, this young guy just goes off at Mr. Miyagi and says, when are you going to teach me karate? (laughs) And Mr. Miyagi smiles and he asks him to spar with him, to block him. And as Mr. Miyagi and him spar, Daniel's son realizes that these techniques, that these rhythms, that these things he's been practicing have actually been teaching him karate all along. (laughs) That these things have been actually transformative. That these things have actually given him muscle memory in learning this art of karate. And I absolutely love this moment. And I think this speaks quite profoundly for a movie, speaks quite profoundly to what we're going to be looking at as I invite you to have a look into this series as we look at the book of Leviticus, as we explore some of God's ancient rhythms and ways and what types of things are they teaching us. Hello, everyone. My name is Steve and welcome to Burley Church Online. Um, I invite you along on this series in Leviticus. We love you as we explore, as, as mentioned, these instructions, this book of order found third, third book of the Bible goes January, uh, January. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Looking at these rhythms that God or Yahweh called this ancient group to after he released them from slavery in Exodus. How do we know that he gave this book to help shape this tribe or this ancient group of people? Well, he tells us. (laughs) He tells us in the book before in Exodus. In Exodus 19.4, sets up this whole series, sets up the purpose for these rhythms, for these ways, for these practices. Exodus 19.4 says this. This is God talking to Moses on a mountain. You yourself have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings, brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant... If you follow with these rhythms, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. God telling Moses, although the whole earth is mine, you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God giving his mission statement, which 
like God, is consistent through the entire library of books that is the Bible. That God wants to build a family. God is clear. His goal is to build a tribe, a nation that represents God in this world. A body for the seemingly bodiless God. A, a Something that describes and is tangible for sometimes the undescribable, for sometimes the untangible. Something seen for the unseen. Something created so that the creator could be known. This is God's plan for Moses and his people. A movement that grows and goes and goes on to bless and be God's presence in this world. Absolutely amazing. So we see this relationship between God and Moses and these people continue. And God gives Moses this book, this recipe, this order of things found in the book of Leviticus. In fact, in the opening lines, here's the opening lines of Leviticus for us today. The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. The fact they have a tent that's called the tent of meeting implies that this is a thing that God and Moses do. Their relationship has already been set. And he said, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when anyone brings you among you brings an offering to the Lord, bring as your offering an animal from either the herd or the flock. And we'll stop there. That's Leviticus 1. I'm only going to stop there for this episode. But we start to see the beginning of the relationship of Moses and God. God's interaction with man, which will continue um, in going straight into this law, into this order. An order that sounds a lot like the chores that Daniel's son did for Mr. Miyake. Honestly, as you read through this and you continue to read through our Bible plan attached, you'll find that Leviticus can be a little dry. It's a little methodical. It sounds like a recipe. It's, it's deeply ordered. It's very specific. And at first it may not make sense, but it makes sense when you realise the people of God that is getting this law are very disordered. <laughs> an ancient tribe of freed slaves and wandering in the desert that are crying out for some sort of order to their life. But for us, if I'm honest, as we explore this series, it can be a little bit off-putting. It can be a book that stops us reading the whole book. <laughs> what I mean by this, I know a ton of people that start a read your Bible in a year plan and they get through Genesis, all right, all right. They get through Exodus, all right, that's exciting. They get to Leviticus. And it's normally, I think statistically speaking, it's the book that stops people reading the book because it can be dry. There's a lot of context, a lot of misunderstanding around this recipe, this order. So that is why in this series, and as we unpack this book, I really just want to look at the heart of it, the broad divine themes, the rhythms, the ways that come out of this ancient book and how it applies to us today and how it continues right through the Bible. I guess the question that we should address if you're going to come along this series with us is why? <laughs> why bother joining us for this series? Why bother d diving in and reflecting and discussing these rhythms with those that you meet with around you? Why bother exploring a three and a half thousand year old book 
What advice? Why, why, why put commitment into that? Well, I can only speak for me. Well, for me, and let me speak from what I'm curious about this, what I would commit and investigate is, is because the more I understand God's heart, the more I understand the broad biblical themes, the more I look at following his rhythms, is the more I hope and pray that I will look more like Jesus. Not because I have a beard, <laughs> but my hope is I develop more of his peace, more of his joy, more of his love and kindness. I hope it's produced in a sense that like waxing on and waxing off, <laughs> I learned some awesome Jesus karate. But a couple of disclaimers before we start this series, a couple of things I want to be careful as we unpack this ancient law. This is not a call, this series, to be to lean into hyper-religion. It's not a call to legally start a rhythm and then make it a law and then judge everyone else that doesn't do or do the same things you do. The Pharisees did this. The religious had done this to this very book by the time Jesus came. They had made a book that literally, as we're going to read, invites you to rest. They had turned it into that you're not allowed to heal. You're not allowed to even, Jesus gets in trouble for picking a, 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 a grain of wheat off a wheat field and he gets in trouble because they say that he's working on the day of rest, that he's farming. They totally destroyed the meaning, <laughs> the life-giving message and rhythms of this book. They turned a book about redemption, about generosity, into a book about guilt and greed. They take a, a, a life-giving order and rhythm and crushed it and tried to use it for control and power. And in the end, totally, totally became the opposite of a life-giving rhythm, became destructive. And we all do this, if I can say that. We all, human nature is that we, we take a good thing and then we try to control it. We try to make it law. We try to legalize it. We, I, I, like I can see it in every place. We turn rituals. Uh, the amount of prayer meetings I've seen in churches that say that started on a Monday night. And so they can't be moved to Tuesdays because 50 years ago they were amazing on Monday night. Uh, the amount of song, style, liturgy or rules that can't shift in our churches because at one time they were really good. <laughs> We forget it's not the method we commit to, it's the meaning we commit to. That worship song, that sermon style, that building, that group wasn't amazing. Sorry, wasn't amazing because of the place and the style that it happened in. It was divine because the Holy Spirit turned up and used it. This is the risk of looking at a book like this. We've got to stay clear of that hyper-religious spirit. My guess is I hear a lot of those younger generations that love to deconstruct cheering right now, but you also have a bit of a warning, if I will. Because the flip side of that is we've got to be careful not to lean into hyper-grace. There's a generation that has a maybe button to events that we can't commit to yes or no. <laughs> or we say things like, I'm not under the law. I'm, my grace is enough. And it is. 
but we totally forget that God freed us for a reason. Like these slaves, Jesus freed us for a reason. He wants us to live out a purpose, a divine transformation, a rhythm. And don't take my word for this. Peter says this exact thing to the church in 2 Peter, which acts like a New Testament mirror to Leviticus. 2 Peter 1.3 says exactly this. His divine power has been granted to us, all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very good promises. We are forgiven. We do have grace. We've been given freedom. But as he says, so that through this freedom, through it, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of our sinful desires. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and they're increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter acknowledging, yes, you are no longer trying to reconcile yourself back to God. Through Jesus, we are made right. He acknowledges we are free. He acknowledges the grace that was given to us through the cross and Jesus. But his invitations in his words is to put effort in still. Not earn God's favour, but put effort in because of God's favour, because of what he's done. Not perform to make dad, our heavenly dad, happy, but to practice. So we can grow in him. We're not like Neo, to use another karate film, we're not like Neo in the Matrix, where we close our eyes and we can just download Kung Fu. We are Daniel's son. We have relationship with Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> and he invites us to learn and grow and learn karate. Except swap karate with life transformation with deeper joy, peace, patience that's been able to be shared and built into this world and eternally. That's my invitation for this series, to join us in setting this year up, in setting your life apart and having what we're calling a holy year. Set up and set apart. That's the invitation for this series. And so three questions to ask yourself and those around you um, as we finish off this message. Three questions. What rhythms were unhelpful last year or season? Maybe you're coming off the back of the year or you're coming back off the back of the season. What things did you do? Little things. What rhythms were you doing that were really destructive? That weren't all, not even destructive, just weren't helpful. Reflect, ask each other that. Number two, what rhythms connected you to Jesus last year or last season? What things did you do that helped you grow in your relationship? And number three, what type of things do you think the Spirit is calling you to set up and set apart this year? Again, not in a religious spirit. We can all have different things God is calling us to set up and set apart. 
But what is it for you? Discuss. And I really look forward to seeing you next time as we open, continue to open this Leviticus book, continue to look at this order for the disordered, and continue to set apart and set up our year. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. I, um, we invite you to take this series and to watch it with others. To We hope that it starts a conversation around your small groups or those that you meet with. Um, if you do like the content of this channel, we would love you to subscribe and help, help follow along. Love you to hit like. And even if you felt like it, to even share this video around if you found it helpful for you and the season you're in. We look forward to seeing you next time.